In this episode, we discuss the spiritual sequel to Wet Pecs, Immortals. Welcome to the hey flop Dan. house. <laughs> hey, Stuart. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm pretty good, Holmes. Uh, Let's introduce ourselves, nice. shall we? Uh, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Charles Kalen. R- really? Yeah, that's my real middle name. Oh, okay. When uh, I, when are you I, worried that stalkers are going to follow you because they know you're When I told name? you my middle name was Septimus Forthright, that was a lie. <laughs> Wait, is that I, all one word? Or? No, it's two words. It's two words. Hyphen, no hyphen. George R. R. Martin gets two middle names. I get two middle you names. You get as many middle names as you want, buddy. Yeah. I just want to that say... Middle, that middle is big. Limited only by your imagination. <laughs> uh, Stu's wearing, I don't know, maybe like a wrestling uh, top. Just wearing a That's what we're doing shirt. now? We're that fucking says, describing stuff in the, in the well, room? Well, it says face 22 on the front. It says 32. Yeah, it's, it's, 32, sorry. I was he, shout, he was slouching. And it says, uh, what does it say on the back? Uh, it it says, says chill. Chill, in, in quotes. In quotes. So, uh, so is this the shirt just cast? Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> is this the top house where we talk about each other's tops? Imagine so, a, no, a, a stripy top. I've got a muscular a striped torso. polo shirt and Dan is wearing a short-sleeved gray uh, t-shirt. Yeah. No pocket. So has nothing to carry around. No, no. He is he See is, you in two weeks on the top house. <laughs> <laughs> now back to the flop house, the podcast you thought you were listening to. Um what do we do here, Dan? We watch a movie, usually okay. a bad movie, presumably a bad movie, and then we, we discuss it. Right it. The assumption is the movie we're watching shall be bad. Yeah. But it isn't always. Yeah, sometimes we're we surprised. Al- hope springs eternal, Elliot. Yep, hope springs internal. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was a joke about an IED, <laughs> IUD from The Simpsons. Not an IED. That would be a different thing. Yeah. Uh, Dan, are you okay? Uh, kind of sloppy tonight. <laughs> a little bit. We watched a movie tonight called Immortals. Immortals. Immortals, yeah. Immortals is not a word. <laughs> a mortal would be a mortal person. This is, this is an interesting one because this is uh, a movie directed by Tarsum, who directed... Tarsum Elliot. Singh. Yeah, Elliot's favorite movie from not, not oh, like okay. not ever, but like from a one year. One of my two favorite ago, movies yeah. from well it came out about it came out around two thousand five, two thousand six. He directed The Fall. The Fall, the which is a movie I do love very much. And it's a flawed movie. I can see why other people wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. But it strikes a particular chord with me. So I was intrigued when Dan said he wanted to watch Immortals, because this is the Fall was only Tarsum's second movie. His first was The Cell, which is not very good, and the and but it's Immortals got J Lo and Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Immortals is his she's, third she's, movie. She's she's bootylicious. I'm led to believe that's not a J Lo song. I'm no, glad but, that, that you but said that's... led to believe like somebody's been telling you, but you <laughs> haven't sure. checked it out yet. It's a, I mean, you haven't done you haven't done the due diligence to find out how bootylicious she may or may not be. Flophouse listeners will recall. Look, it's probably I... not true because. <laughs> Dan used the internet to check that type of thing. I am a pervasoid, and not just a pervasoid, but number one. That that is an adjective that might be used to describe. Told by who? The young people? Yeah, sure. The youth. From like 10 years ago? (laughs) The the butt squad. (laughs) 
Wait, wait, is is that wait. like an official organization? Yeah, is the Butt Squad a club for young people, yeah. or is it some kind of government, quasi governmental well, go butt inspection team? You go to www.dubuttsquad.org. <laughs> okay, so it's a nonprofit. Yeah, of course. That'll be uh, that'll be a good test for the uh, the Five House audience. They can go to that and they can discover what that is. What is it, Dan? Do you know? I have no idea. They will uh, they will learn in real time, whereas we probably have learned by that time. Well, we were talking about a movie, I think, okay. before we got on to your <laughs> fictional butt squad, <laughs> which tests the bootyliciousness of various female celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie based on Greek mythology. Kind very of, loose, sort of. loosely based. Very loosely based. Um, but so this is – Tarsem Singh is a director who is known for his visual sense. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm a huge fan of his movie The Fall, but his other movie is not so good. So we decided let's give Immortals a try. Okay. Yeah, and it, but it did okay. It wasn't too big of a flop in the old box yeah, office. Financially, it did it did okay. Yeah, it did all right. Made its money back. I think it, yeah. It, uh, uh, Critically, Wikipedia seemed to suggest that it doubled its uh, budget, but, but it didn't. Nec- that doesn't necessarily include marketing and so right. forth. Critically, home run, base uh, hit. Kind of well, a bunch maybe. It did got okay. Lo- uh, uh, yeah, the sports analogies are kind of fucking me up right now. Yeah. Despite the fact that you look like you're ready for a pickup basketball game, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was doing before I came over. Just doing the hoops. Oh, that's why you got a round ball under your Scor- arm. Scoring now three you're pointers. spitting the ball on your finger. Now you're somehow you took a bite out of it. That's yeah. weird. It's full of chocolate. Yeah. Oh, and a bird hatched out of it. Should I be doing sound effects? No, no it's no, radio magic. Use their oh, imagination. Okay. okay. Um, so, Immortals. So, this is the story about, I guess, why we watched it? or that, okay, was the, that was the backstory. So, Immortals. Here's what it's about. Yeah, give us a... Wait, the, this is the plot description, This is right? the synopsis. Okay. Yeah. The ancient Greek hero synopses who would tell people how stories <laughs> went to save them time. Doesn't have a beard. You assume he's an old man with a beard, but he's actually young and totally cut. Yeah. Like everyone in the Immortals except for John Hurt, he is young and totally cut. I mean, he, John Hurt could be pretty cut. We don't. He wears a big robe. He does like, wear a big you know? robe that looks like it's made out of feathers and leaves. The kind of thing that, like, if B. Arthur was an Earth Mother coven witch. I gotta say, wear. John Hurt... Has basically looked the same for the last thirty years. Like, yeah, old. He's got, yeah. Well, yeah. He's. I guess that's the secret. If you start out looking kind of old, <laughs> then you're gonna like people are gonna be like, hey, John Hurt's looking pretty good later on if he looks the same. But yeah. like, he hasn't put on any weight anywhere. Like, no, anywhere he's still. Along the line. He's probably cut. He's a reedy thin guy who has always a seemed really, kind of really thin guy. Yeah, you he's said that reedy. weird. He's really, reedy. wait, what? Really, like, like a reed. Like, like a read, like, you know. Like, He's reading? <laughs> okay. Okay, here's the synopsis of Immortals. Okay. So, we're in ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. We learn... We are. Oh, <laughs> Flop House Time Machine. Oh, my God. So did my ne- wife. Did we not take our Ritalin before re- recording the show tonight? <laughs> We've not been able to stay on one thing for more than 45 seconds. Uh, okay, Immortals, synopsis. We're in ancient Greece in the movie. Uh, and we, we learn at the beginning that there was a war in the heavens between the gods and the titans. The gods won, and they locked up the titans in a... Is that, doesn't John Hurt do like a uh, like a voiceover or a monologue telling us that? Yeah, or? something like kind, that. It's kind of a mix of monologue and more silent storytelling. Okay. But uh, it's mostly John Hurt monologue. It's one of those movies where there's a 
in the olden days, you know, or in the beginning. Well, yeah, and we were... hear an old British guy talking, we're like, oh, man, this is going to be old and awesome. Anytime. We're in good hands now. Anytime a movie starts with the narrator telling you about the, in the olden days. Just sit trouble. back and open up my big bag of Orville Redenbacher's. Legend tells of a war between. Uh, yeah, so the gods, my... swaddled. Yeah. the gods locked up the Titans in a box. The only thing that can let them out is a bolt from an arrow uh, from a this magic bow that's hidden somewhere on earth it's somewhere in ancient greece which is a mistake they have the whole earth to put it the gods should just put it somewhere on the other side of the world mm-hmm. maybe like the bottom, in america or maybe like the bottom of the ocean I don't know that it exists or you know what hey gods think outside the box put it on the moon it's gonna be thousands of years before anyone gets there yeah. can the gods go to the moon why have... they're gods why not they can fly okay they don't have to breathe i assume and they can they can fight in slow motion, so that means they could probably go really fast to the moon. Exactly. Okay. Okay, so the Titans are locked up. Only this bow can unlock them. Mickey Rourke plays King Hyperion, a... He's uh, the handsome lead, right? <laughs> no, he is the meatloaf-faced, mush-mouthed <laughs> barbarian king who is slowly conquering his way across the ancient world, raping and pillaging and murdering and mm. eating constantly. Was constantly it, I eating. feel like, like... So Mumbles is upset about something. Yeah. Mumbles, Mc, <laughs> Mumbles <laughs> Mick Incomprehensible, uh, is he wants to take over the world. He hates the gods and he wants to destroy them and be remembered forever. His big goal is so he, he wants to be remembered. So he army of now, dicks uh, with, with masks on their face. Yeah, his now army is – all his soldiers have masks on their face. And here's the great thing is that most movies when someone's wearing a mask, you just hear their voice normally. In Immortals – Everyone's voice is muffled as it would be if you were wearing a big leather mask, which makes it even harder to hear what people are saying. And Mickey Rourke luckily wears a mask sometimes, so his already hard-to-understand voice becomes impossible. Yeah, and you're you're torn between respecting the film for its uh, verisimilitude and being irritated at it. Since much of the dialogue is like an old man without his teeth in on the other side of a wall. And you're trying to figure out where he hid his gold. And <laughs> all you can hear is rah, 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 as he's talking to whatever ghosts he thinks have come to visit him. So anyway, King Hyperion is pillaging his way through through life. Then we meet in a in a tiny village on a cliff. On the sheerest cliff in the world. <laughs> yeah, which is about well, a million feet I mean, high. They they probably picked that spot because it's really defensible against barbarian armies. You would think. Apparently it falls very easily. But uh you find our hero, Theseus, who is a strapping young lad who is played by – what's the actor's name? Cavill? Uh, Henry Cavill or something like that. Who is basically a chest and a face. Uh, yeah. Not much of a charismatic he's, actor. He's the body. But he is a master fighter. He's been trained by old man John Hurt, who we soon learn is Zeus, but Theseus doesn't know He that. has no idea. He never figures out. He's Zeus in disguise. Mm-hmm. Uh, his He finds out that the bad guys are coming – Every one of the upper classes is allowed to leave the village now, but the peasants have to wait a day, and this causes Theseus to get into a fight with some soldiers. Uh, is that a common? Is that a common thread in Greek mythology, like the like class warfare and class divisions? Not exactly, but kind of. You find a lot. I mean, they did have an arist- aristocracy, a slave class, and then you know a poor class and a merchant class. But in the Greek myths, you don't see too much of that. And in the Greek system, like, a slave could eventually work himself up to becoming a citizen. Yeah, if he finds enough golden fleeces. <laughs> yeah, that's the main way. So most didn't because yeah. golden fleeces are very hard to find. But he gets uh, he gets into a fight with uh, Lysander. I, I remember the names uh, mainly because of uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, so he gets into a fight with a big salamander. <laughs> and... 
<laughs> it's not as cool as it sounds. The next day, the peasants are getting ready to leave. Uh-oh, bad guy army shows up, kills everybody, kills... If only they'd left a day earlier. I know. Kills mm-hmm. Theseus's mom, and Theseus is made a slave in the salt mines for the bad guys. For like a second. Apparently, <laughs> but apparently like a big army like that needs a lot of salt. Because yeah. they they need to bring out the flavor of their food. Well, if a dude kills like four or five of your soldiers and is super badass and tough... Probably want that guy alive, mining salt for you. You want him alive. You want him mad at his you. His salt production is going to be really high. <laughs> you know, it's like if his fighting skills are that good. Imagine how good his salt mining <laughs> skills are. And then what you do is you then murder his his mom in front of him yeah. to really get him good at mining salt. Like, well, you motivate because well, he's going to cry onto that salt, and that salt's going to be extra salty after that. <laughs> yep, you just dry it's it in the sun, salt. and you get double salt. <laughs> Ooh, double salt. That tastes so good. That's how you make bacon, basically. <laughs> So he's – but before he even gets to the salt mine, he is part of a group of slaves trudging through the desert carrying wood for some reason. They meet up at a place where salt. the bad guys have captured uh, the four oracles, one of whom is mm-hmm. Frida Pinto. And these are four women. You may one, know her from Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Or She's Slumdog Millionaire. lady in that. Or from her namesake, film. Bean. <laughs> yep. Or her namesake, Car, the Pinto. <laughs> She's got a figure in a lot of pies. Hey, no, whoa. Hey, what are you trying to say about her? Uh, I mean, it's pretty gross. Yeah. Looking um, so, lady. yeah, they, so these four women dress up like, I don't know, like uh, they wear like robes. Some lamps. They wear some yeah. lamps and like a uh, they wear robes madam's uh, weird like lamps a, on their Like a brothel. They look like they have every weird headgear is a Tarsum Singh thing. He He's all about it. it. So, you got a priest who has a hat with candles on it. You got these lady oracles who wear like lampshades on their head. Mickey Rourke has a helmet that has. Mm-hmm. Like teeth a, on the front and then bunny ears that are also crab claws yeah on the it's top. like a crab crossed with uh, like a venus fly trap uh sort of on really. his head yeah everyone's got crazy masks and helmets uh one of these oracles is a real oracle the other three are decoys just like queen amidala yeah yeah. And, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for bringing it back down for me <laughs> bringing it to something you'd understand yeah and hey guess what the one who's the real Oracle is the one who's played by an actress you've seen in other movies. And just like in The Phantom Menace, the treachery works and the real Oracles <laughs> is escapes. able to escape. Yeah. And so Theseus Spoiler and alert. Frida Pinto and a thief named played by Stephen Dorff. Named Question mark? Named, <laughs> his name was, good, let's call him Thiefus. Thiefus? <laughs> let's call him Stelos. Uh, they, they run off and escape, and they decide, I guess, to become a, and they run off and escape also with a monk who's, who cut out his own tongue rather than reveal to Mickey Rourke the location of the oracles. And the four, and the four of them go so on the run. Is it a speaking role? Or? Uh, it's barely even a walking role. It <laughs> doesn't get a lot of screen time. The four of them go on the run to try to get their revenge against King Rorkos, uh, Hyperion, and they just kind of run around and have uh, like two adventures that are really minor, kind of boring. Meanwhile, Hyperion wanders around looking for this bow, uh, and eventually they all meet up at these, this huge wall that's guarding the city of something or other where everybody seems to live. Tartarus, Mount Tartarus. Oh, it's Mount Tartarus. That, that's mm-hmm. right. Uh, you made the comment about how it's where the sauce is made. <laughs> this, it is, it's and where I, the fish I checked Wikipedia, and it turns out you're wrong. Oh, actually. really? Yeah, where yeah, do they yeah. make tartar sauce? Uh, they make it in sea towns along the uh, the New England shore, shoreline. In sea town grocery stores? Yeah, in sea town. Steve's sea town. 
Steve Sita. That's a very local reference. It's a Park Slope reference. Um, that's a deep cut. So all of our Park Slope fans, of which there are one. Everyone, here's, here's an interesting tip. you send Stuart a dollar. If any of you are Three Stooges fans, uh, take a pilgrimage to 9th Street between 5th and 6th Avenue in Park Slope in Brooklyn. There's and then a, poke yourself in the eyes. There's a grocery store called Steve's Sea Town, and where that grocery store is used to be a vaudeville and movie theater, and it's one of the places the Three Stooges performed very early on in their career. So, little Brooklyn so while you're bu- while you're buying groceries, you can think about all the laughs. Think about all the laughs mm-hmm. you missed out on 100 years ago. Yep. Well, so, I hope you have the time of your life. Right, guys? Kodak Film. Right, guys? <laughs> Dan McCoy for Kodak Film. <laughs> uh, so they all meet up at this big wall. Uh, the 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 heads the elderly council are like, oh, we will simply uh, we'll reason with King Hyperion, the man who rapes and pillages his way across Greece. Surely that will be all right. Eventually, King Hyperion proves them wrong by walking up to a man and cutting his head off instantly. <laughs> with, it's the worst computer animation in the movie. It's like something out of a Tim and Eric sketch. Uh, yeah, like he he swings his sword and then the guy's head just floats away. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like, yeah, it's just like a fountain of fake blood, but <laughs> CGI'd in. But anyway, so there's a, but there's a big battle. Uh, the king has, by this point, has found the bow. I forgot to mention, Theseus finds the bow encased in rock mm-hmm. inside the tomb of his village where he buries his mother. In a, right, big, in a big fight with a guy with a minotaur mask. Yeah, right after he finds the bow. That was pretty good. A guy with a big bull helmet fights him. That was a pretty fun scene. And he hits him with he hits him with a meat cleaver and then uh, a club a couple times. Yeah, yeah, well, is, he hits him with a club several times. Many More times, times than you would expect. After the minotaur is down on the ground on his back. I mean, how many times is enough times. times? It's a fucking minotaur. No, but that's what, yeah, that's what I loved a about minotaur. the movie. It was, like, that was, it was accurate to how that fight would go down, where it's just like, okay, this minotaur is down, but I am not trusting it so i'm gonna beat him with this club like 12 more times so you're gonna say it's kind of at odds with all the other fight scenes in the movie which are like slow motion like you know like dance fighting basically yeah there's yeah. a lot of as Stuart, you mentioned that everyone's attacks are jump attacks well jump attacks are the hardest to defend <laughs> jump attacks <laughs> like like mario and super mario yeah probably. jumping yeah, sure. on their heads and making them small <laughs> yep. you jump on a soldier and you turn him into a shell and then you kick the shell and he knocks all the other soldiers over <laughs> You're saying based, on, based on real tactics, uh, <laughs> jump attacks, Stuart. Yeah, yeah, they're the hardest to defend because if you you want to block high or low, you don't know. It depends on where the attack's coming. Yeah, uh, but anyway, so he's found the bow. Uh, he uses the bow to break open the wall of this build of this village. Or t- yeah, Tartarus. he charges up the. the he bow charges shot. it up by holding it for a long time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's it go. Video it blows open a door, works. and there's a long hallway, and all the soldiers of Tartarus are like, "Holy shit!" Uh, and start fighting among themselves. Theseus gets up above a doorway and shouts a speech at them that you cannot hear half of because the sound is not. The music is too loud. And because I think so, like, I was looking up his little skirt the whole time. Yeah, Mm. there's a lot of upskirting going on. But also, like, it is what you can hear of it is the blandest speech in the world. But it instantly turns the soldiers into a motivated fighting force. Yeah, as soon as they understand somebody's talking to them, they start banging their shields together and shit. Yeah, there's a big fight in in a corridor between the good guy soldiers and the bad guy soldiers. King Hyperion, during it, sneaks away and gets to where the Titan box is. Yeah, there's like a secret flight of stairs right by the entrance, which seems like a <laughs> the, weird choice. The least guarded place also has the staircase that leads to the roof, well, which let's leads hide to the all of our bus. generals right by the stairway, right by the entrance. In case the bad guys get in, they can kill them right away. Let's 
put our all our valuables in the outhouse that doesn't uh-huh. have a lock on it on a shelf. We'll hide them in plain sight. Now, earlier in the, something we glossed over earlier in the movie, Zeus told the other gods, don't interfere with humans because – and this is what they say – they won't have faith in us unless we have faith in right. them. That Which is super accurate to Greek mythology because if there's one thing I know about the Greek gods is, number one, they really care about humans a lot. And number two, they never interfere <laughs> they don't with like, humans. They're like the never. watcher. They just watch mm-hmm. and they don't even, they've sworn not to interfere. They're totally, like, totally most, de- they're total deists. But it's so also like... Just, it's that's the, why most Greek myths, it's just like dudes hanging out being dudes. <laughs> there's no god dudes showing there's up. A, I mean, that is kind of up. all of Plato, Plato's dialogues are just dudes hanging out being dudes. <laughs> thing the Greek gods don't do it's come down and indiscriminately rape humans. That's I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> they may come to you in the form of a swan or a bull or a cloud and have sex with you. I don't know if I call it rape. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. I, I, I understand that. Maybe if, like, you're a cloud was... or a swan wants to have sex with me. <laughs> like that's going to be consensual sex. I mean, come on, come on, I mean, guys. That sounds right to me. So, like that's the I mean, fluffiness. Imagine the fluffiness yeah. of having sex with a, a swan or a cloud. So any uh, any of our listeners out there that are swan based furries, <laughs> Dan's into it. Dan, just Dan's give it, up for it. Come on, just go for it. Yeah, just stop him on the street. <laughs> just uh, write just me at Pervasoid on number one. Pervasoid number one. Care of Dan McCoy, aka Pervasoid number one. Care of Boner University, <laughs> Brooklyn, New York. Uh, That's where I got my BA. <laughs> boner University. Yep. A boner of arts. I got my BU in boners. <laughs> Your PhD. <laughs> You're a doctorate of boning. <laughs> Anyway, back to this. Here's the thing. It's a bad philosophy that Zeus has because let's – would you believe in a god more who answers your prayers mm-hmm. or doesn't? And I think the answer is for many people, they do believe in a god who doesn't answer their prayers. But your average human being believes something that he has some proof of. So like if you said to God, please, God, like give me the – give me something and that thing descended from heaven to you, you'd be like, this is – OK. Obviously, this is real stuff. I have yeah, but that. then you, just, you start taking that for granted, Elliot. You're asking him for everything. You know, it's like <laughs> – Well, yeah, but he's, you know, like, well, he's like a welfare god at that point. <laughs> it's the, a culture of god dependency. The thing right? is the gods are awesome. Like they have these awesome headdresses They're all and cool young, weapons. hot – like American apparel models with – or like uh, – With like wireframe helmets. Wireframe helmets that represent what they have. So like Poseidon's helmet looks like a fish. Apollo's helmet is like sun rays, bunch of I guess. awesome spikes. Uh, like super tall spikes. Yeah. And earlier on – so Zeus has been interfering in the form of a old man. That's okay. Yeah, and Poseidon comes in, comes in at one point as a giant wave and saves Theseus that way. That's okay. They're not allowed to interact as gods. But they're – Confronted by a bunch of bad guys, and Apollo shows up, and with his hammer is just exploding people's heads left and right in slow motion. Yeah, that was actually pretty great. It's like it's a pretty great scene. He like taps their heads, and their heads explode in blood. Oh yeah, and everywhere. the blood is uh, just slow moting around. But uh, mm-hmm. because he did that, Zeus got mad and killed him with a flaming whip of some kind. Yeah, it was weird. I guess there was a flaming. That whip seems there. like an extreme reaction to what what happened. I mean, he said anyone who interferes. Yeah, but, well, hey, look, you know, Zeus, give, give if you're going to live under Zeus's roof, you got to play by Zeus's rules. Yeah, so we give him a timeout before you explode. Dude, give, give him a timeout forever. That's the thing, man. Give him an inch, they'll take a mile. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. That's what like gods are. Being yeah. a parent, uh, it's, it's about boundaries. Yeah. yeah, gods are just always trying to test the boundaries to find out where. So they So there's are. like a weird shot of uh, Apollo's funeral, I guess. 
But well, they just kind of turn him into I mean, a table. The sun keeps coming up, so I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, the gods are not really explicitly linked to the things we think of them as being linked to in the movie, except for Poseidon jumping into the water. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. Apollo should be except for Poseidon being linked to that boat that turned all the way upside down, and the people had to get out of that. Well, I Remember? mean, they didn't. Yeah, they Remember jumped that adventure that they had. Yeah, they ju- I mean, they had yeah. a pretty good adventure. Yeah, yeah, that Poseidon adventure. Yeah. <laughs> What? What are you talking about? I don't, I'm not familiar with So that. anyway, the gods have just said, we're not going to interfere unless the Titans are released. Well, guess what? The Titans get released, and the Titans just turn out to be kind of like rage zombies from 28 Days Later, but with swords. Yeah, they're, they're just super-fast like monsters. Gray, gray Gray super-fast monsters. They're kind of like the vampires from Dust from Dustle Dawn. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the gods fight them for a while. Sort of squishy. Yeah, but, I mean, not as sexy. More with, like, wacky faces. The gods fight them for a while. Theseus is fighting Mickey Rourke, and the soldiers are fighting each other. And eventually, Zeus, the gods are, are, for every titan they kill, a thousand more come up and start killing them. And so Zeus just decides to take two big chains and pull down the whole chamber on top of everybody. Because gods are apparently vulnerable to the same thing that coal miners is, which Mm -hmm. is cave-ins. These gods are super powerful. Kind of. But they cannot get out of a caved-in, you know, I mean, the gods seem to get out of it fine. They just teleport away. Yeah. They use a teleporting power we never saw them use before. And they also use it to teleport Theseus, who is currently triumphant over Hyperion after they have that, like, mumbly They have a very mumbly. They have a, fight. a long, but a long battle, and they mumble at each other a lot. And well, it, and it plays on. There was that scene early on where Mickey Rourke reveals that King Hyperion is uh, has a weakness to being stabbed in the foot. So later I don't on, think that no, that doesn't, later on Theseus plays on that by that, stabbing him. No, in the foot. anyone is is and then he totally wins. stabbed in the foot. <laughs> That's just a people thing. <laughs> uh, but I'm not sure, Elliot. I'm not sure about that. I mean, later on, let's have a fight. You can stab me in the foot and we can see. Okay, so that's Dan wants me to stab him in the foot and then someone in a swan costume can rape him. That's <laughs> Dan is... Ra- I mean, well, we, I think we agree it Look, wasn't rape. We're putting, you're putting they, together, yeah, you're putting together a pretty long to-do list here, that, If there's one thing I want to put out there, it's that that's not a very specific erotic fantasy that I have. It's 100% just a thing that's going to happen. I'm not going to get off on it. It's fine. We, right, guys? I mean... <laughs> Am I right? I feel so uncomfortable now about the way this episode has gone. So, Immortals, everybody wins in the go end except it. the bad guys. Let's go. And uh, at the end, Frida Pinto has a son. Theseus is dead. Frida, get, no, he teleports away. He teleports he's to heaven because he's now. dead. He has, he has oh, an, that's what happened. He has an, his soul is divine because he's a hero, so he goes, gets to go up to Olympus. Mm-hmm. And, and probably be a constellation or something. Yeah, I assume so. That's kind of their. That's their. It's like that's when a cop thing. becomes a security guard or something. A, uh, a hero becomes a constellation. It's just like an okay. after retirement job. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, or like we're gonna get a gold watch, then we become a constellation. <laughs> exactly. Just part time. Yeah. Just to just to augment his pension. You keep your toe in the uh, the job, the working world. You exactly. Know? I'm gonna literally moonlight. Huh? Oh. No, it's good. So, that's great. All right. <laughs> but, <laughs> a little more. But Frida Pinto has a son because earlier she had sex with Theseus. Yeah, she did. Uh, and probably a body double, though, right? Yeah, we all agree. There was there was a little nudity in this film. We agreed. It was, it was probably a, Frida a body Pinto double. And, uh, body double. Yeah. So I mean, not to if just, you're listening, not to downplay the work, the fine work that that body and double did. And the body did. double did very good work standing Excellent there with stuff. no clothes on. <laughs> but, she did uh, exactly what was expected of her. So good she work. Took her clothes off and was there. Yeah, she she laid down. But uh-huh. this John Hurt appears to this little boy and 
says something, and the little boy has a vision, and that vision is of a huge battle in heaven between people, I guess, and Titans. And that's the end of the movie, which I guess the sequel is maybe setting us up for a larger battle. The Titans get out and fight in the sky or something. But that's the movie. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it basically looked like a lot of people fighting on the ground, but in different. I, it, it, they're just like in in the air from different angles. Yeah, it reminded me. There's a there's a painting from the 1890s called Divine Tragedy, where a bunch of gods are just having the shit kicked out of them, and that it reminded me a lot of that. That sounds like an awesome like it's heavy a, metal song. It's an amazing. It is the most heavy metal 19th century painting I've ever seen, and it's enormous. <laughs> so it's enormous, and it's in the Musee, uh, Museum uh, d'Orsay. So in that's Paris. your recommendation for yeah. this week. Yes, go to go to Paris. Right. Go to the or- Dorsey and look at the Divine Tragedy painting because it is crazy. Um, and bring your guitars. You, you're going to want to riff. <laughs> so one thing that I think is worth mentioning uh, about this movie, we talked about it while we were watching it. So the guy who plays Theseus was also in Red Riding uh, was in uh, Red Riding Hood. Red Riding Hood, sure. and uh, that was a movie that involved a giant uh, iron uh, elephant. elephant where people were put inside and cooked. Uh, As a torture or a punishment. Yeah, and this movie yeah. has a giant metal bowl where the fake oracles are put inside and cooked over an open flame. And so to think that the the, <laughs> the one actor was in two movies <laughs> where there was a metal animal that people were put inside as a torture and to be cooked. I mean, I think you're also saying it's a little... Like, I think it's weird that you're assuming it's ex- exclusive to those two movies. I mean, I think almost every big budget movie has something. Like I don't, that. I don't I know. That's so. not true, I mean, I don't actually. go to a lot of movies, but this Transmorphers I keep hearing about. <laughs> no, not at all. There's no people in a metal animal. No, that get burned. I don't think so. But I, maybe that's in his contract. Yeah, that, that has to be in a movie he's in. Yeah. But I, w- I will say one thing about this movie is that being a Tarsum Singh movie, it is visually gorgeous. A lot of work, even things look goofy sometimes. Always, a lot of effort and high emotion is put into the landscapes, the lighting, the costumes, the shots. It's dramatically inert, like it's boring as hell for much of it, and nothing really happens. And even Stephen Dorff is boring. I think we all mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Even and that, that Im- sounds crazy. That impossible. <laughs> like thing. I just How said, could you imagine? You have, he is supposed to be like a master thief, a charismatic master thief who meets up with the hero, maybe teaches him how to play dirty, but he doesn't mm-hmm. do that. Like he, he has no, the character basically barely exists and just ends up being a soldier in the army later on, banging his shield like everybody else and uh, never uses and any jumping thief and talents. attacking people. Yeah. And it's a very, like boiler the story wise it's a very boilerplate dull mumbly movie but visually it's it's got a lot going for it but yeah but i mean even beyond that like john hurts in this movie uh and he's never been in a what's bad his face movie. mumbles i mean he was in fucking space balls <laughs> <laughs> i mean he has a cameo appearance in space yeah balls. he's in fucking space balls <laughs> Uh, I think we've already mentioned Spaceballs is kind of the standard of there's a, uh, big there's budget a barbed, Hollywood comedies. <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's a barbed wire minotaur in this movie. Yeah, I mean, there are a few okay things in it. But uh, yeah, there's a metal bowl that cooks three women alive inside of it. But I will say, for a movie that is very much there's like. There's a scene where a guy smashes another dude's balls with a giant hammer. <laughs> the Minotaur yeah. does that. A tra- one of the villagers, uh, a soldier, defects to Mickey Rourke, and Mickey Rourke says, 
you're a traitor. Why would I want you here when you've already shown me you're a traitor? He and says something like that. We're not really like, sure. Imagine he's mumbling and eating at the same time. <laughs> he's also eating and spitting things at the same time. And Into his own beard. As a way of... Uh, he accepts him into his army reluctantly and then has the Minotaur crush his balls as a way of taking his cowardice out of the Earth's gene pool. Yeah. Which yeah. is a pretty – it's a pretty badass moment. Should If the movie had lived up to that kind of villainy, it would have been it's great. testicular croquet. Yes. But instead it gets very dull. Uh, it's uh, There's one scene where Mickey Rourke is standing in front of his army making threats while he's also chowing down on walnuts and he's getting crumbs in his mustache. And it's it's really hard to be scared of him when he's got crumbs in his mustache I would say, and his beard. On the subject of stuff coming out of Mickey Rourke's mouth, <laughs> <laughs> the, one of the, I think, I think the, the high point of the movie for me is at the end, you got Theseus, he's got Hyperion on the ground, and I think he's like, he he says some like sassy thing before he stabs him in the throat, probably a callback to something Hyperion said to him before he killed his mom, mm-hmm. and he stabs him right in the throat, and immediately all this blood flies all over the place, like squirts out of it's his like mouth. It's like he had a mouthful of fruit juice. And, and then it, it, cut, it cuts to Theseus, and Theseus probably mumbles something back, and then it cuts back to uh, Hyperion, no blood anywhere. He's just making a gritty face. And then it cuts away, cuts back, blood everywhere again. It's perfect. <laughs> it's bad continuity. Yeah. I like that part. That was my favorite. <laughs> your best, so your favorite part was the mistake. Yeah, I like it. didn't like, have blood on I'm his face. I'm a big fan of film flubs. <laughs> uh, it's, this is, I feel like even for – it's a movie that's living in the shadow of 300 in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I in, personally enjoyed 300 a lot because it's a big, stupid, dumb movie. But like a crazy movie. Oh, it's stupid. And this movie is both – not quite as stupid, but not quite as crazy and fun, you know. Well, it, I think that it, does, that, it's too, it seems to be afraid of becoming stupid, which this, is a bad. Thing. This leads us into our final judgments because I don't think there's a lot more to say about this. And I wanted to say, you know, like I wanted to like this movie. It's got uh, it's got John Hurt, it's got Mickey Rourke, it's got Frida Pinto Bean, who's very beautiful. It's got a bunch of like. Uh, beautiful shots in it it's actually like it looks great it, it looks, looks much better than almost any movie we've it, seen it this. looks better than 300 a movie that i don't yeah. like as much i think as either you or or Stuart. but like but i like it better than this movie because like at least 300 has a certain narrative drive behind it like yeah it it just it, never stops. It has Flophouse All Star Gerard Butler <laughs> chewing the scenery. It's it's a, like not, a maniac. Yeah. It's a deeply stupid movie, but it never stops. It and never this movie lets up. Only stops. Yeah. This so. is a movie. It's, it feels like a movie sometimes made up of the scenes between action scenes from other action movies. Yeah. And I'm, then occasionally you'll get Apollo coming down and smashing people's heads with a hammer. But there's not a lot of that. And there's yeah, there's not a lot of, of drive or intensity. On our flophouse standard of good, bad movie, bad, bad movie, movie we kind of liked, I would have to say bad, bad. Uh, Elliot? Um... Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I want to say movie I kind of liked because I liked the visuals so much, but I wouldn't it, recommend it, watching it. It so. really looks beautiful, but I don't. Know it's a good-looking bad bad movie. Yeah, I mean, I would. I'm. Yeah, I would. I'd have to say it. It falls under bad bad. I mean, it's it's not super terrible. I mean, it's not as terrible as some of the other bad bads, but uh, and I mean, there's some like I think near the end it picks up a little bit when. The gods all show up and start murdering the uh, the titans, and every time they hit one of them, the titans immediately their bodies go into slow motion, so they can like slap them into the air and then slap them back down like it's some kind of a video game. So that was crazy. Yeah, it becomes more and more video game ish at the end, 
Um, which, if anything, I like. I like that because it's a really weird decision to make. Yeah. But it doesn't save the fact that this movie probably works best in stills or watched in fast forward. Yeah. With no sound. So bad, bad. I think it's one of the few movies that would work better as a coffee table book. Yeah. Than as a movie. Yeah, like I would be. I'd love to look through the like making of with just pictures of it. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, before we get to our mailbag, I'd like to thank uh, for donations. I would like to thank suddenly Dan's all business. Michael C. First ten yeah, minutes of the podcast is like, like it's like the drugs wore off. What's going on? Uh, like, coming down from sugar high. Complaining about it, but uh, I'd like to thank Michael C. for the donation. Thanks, and Michael. Michael. Also. C. Hall, <laughs> Yeah, of gamer Remy M. Remy the rat from Reddit. Donator. Oh, thanks, Remy. Thanks, Remy. That was that. That was that flop fan who you didn't know. I I remember her now. Thank you, thank you, Stuart. For yeah, yeah. is it Remy or Remy? Remy. I would say Remy. Remy. Remy? Okay. You know, like fucking Gambit, dude. Mm -hmm. Remy LeBeau. Yeah. Well, it's not Gambit, but good. I don't like Gambit. (laughs) Well, you know, why don't you like Gambit? He's a a fucking pirate cowboy ninja. (laughs) Pirate cowboy ninja in pink armor and a trench coat with fingerless gloves. I mean, Rogue is is totally into him. Yeah. Well, Well, Rogue has a history of bad choices. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So uh, this first letter from a fan. It's from uh, Evan. Last name withheld. Uh, it's titled First off, no mailbag song? I, he, he, he fucking went he right just, into he it. He just zoomed through. Did he not pause he 300 through that so that I couldn't get in with a song. Yeah, well, it's titled... Okay, so before Evan, yeah, yeah, before I knew it, we were hip deep in letters. This letter's titled, If you don't read this, Stuart will die. Oh, uh, <laughs> I hope Dan reads it then. Does the letter have an antidote in it? <laughs> or is some kind of audio-based poison? Yeah. I thought that would get your attention. Anyway, I have to give thanks to you. I've had a bad couple of weeks. My girlfriend dumped me without any notice. Oh. She, you're supposed to give two weeks' notice. I'm having trouble finding a job. I've been drinking more than I should. Also, I've been suffering from serious depression due to my recent circumstances. But your podcasts... Have gotten me to smile like a lunatic wherever I go. Oh, good. Whether it be Dan sighing and muttering, oh, Jesus, when everything goes off track, or Elliot relating something to obscure 1990s X-Men comics, comics or I'm not sexual the one fantasies I'm not the about one. Anne Hathaway. I don't think that, that Elliot... Isn't. One, never happened, and two, Stuart's the one who brought up Gambit just a second and ago. And second of all, Dan's the one who fucking put it off the rails all night tonight. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But hey, that's, that's I and I have no sexual fantasies about Anne Hathaway. Why not? Come on. Yeah, you don't remember the times you were together as boyfriend and girlfriend? <laughs> that's, that's, that that pain is still raw, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a scab that hasn't completely healed. Yeah, until until my half of the locket can be matched up again with her half of the locket. Sure, and then when that happens, the grand conjunction will happen. Yeah, the planets and, align. And then, uh, I don't know, the end of the dark crystal happens or something? <laughs> yeah, and then Gozer comes the in. The Skeksis get uh, sucked They get morphed the into Skeksis those weird guys? turn back into mm-hmm. big tree people, turn back into Groot, <laughs> and then... Uh, and then Gozer and everybody. <laughs> Etc. But anyway, he says, I'm always amused. But I got to say, Stuart's my favorite. Yes. Every, every podcast, he seems like he's Evan some- doesn't sound like a female name. <laughs> <laughs> every podcast, he seems like he's somewhere between too drunk and not drunk enough. <laughs> That's his life. <laughs> Certainly, he is the so raconteur of our times. Anyway, I sincerely thank you for your trenchant insights on artistic films such as Dreamhouse and Mirrors. It's helping through me through a bad time in my life, so I donated in thanks. P. 
P.S. Your 100th episode got me to watch Tango and Cash with my roommate. It's all I anticipated and more. So that was a heartwarming story. That's very. I'm glad we could bring some happiness into your life. That means a lot to us. And that we could share Tango and Cash with another human being. Yeah, that means even more to us. Yeah. That we could spread the gospel of TNC. Especially now that Sly is going through a rough time. With his, yeah, don't, oh, okay. don't, don't bring us down. <laughs> On a comedy comedy podcast, I shouldn't talk about it. Okay. And it also dates us. This one, <laughs> this next email. And is, we're married. We shouldn't be dating. <laughs> this next email is from uh, the Flophouse Fantasy Mailbag. Oh, okay. So you wrote this to yourself? It says, <laughs> Dear Flophouse, I never thought this would happen to me. <laughs> and it didn't. It's titled, It's Been a While. Hey, Dan. How are you? I know it's been a while since the Fantasy Mailbag had anything to anything for you. Hi, Elliot. So I thought I'd drop you a line to see how you're doing. I hope all is well. Take care. The Flophouse Fantasy <laughs> Mailbag. So, so is that a thing? Is that- <laughs> yes, I'm glad that the Fantasy Mailbag <laughs> has checked in. Um, Welcome to Fantasy Mailbag. <laughs> Yep. I guess you get a letter that you want. Or I don't know. I'm baffled Wait, by that. That was Wait. your bit. I mean, I don't. You don't remember that? <laughs> I look, I don't remember anything these days. Are you? Did you just read an actual letter? Or did that you just a, make that up on the spot? No, that was an actual letter. But Ellie doesn't even remember. I his remember bit. the song. That there were a few weeks where we didn't have any letters. Yeah, so we were writing some letters. I was and writing. So some. Elliot made up a fantasy mailbag letter. Yeah. Oh. I remember the song, but I don't. remember So it that. is a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But not and finally. In this Stuart case, receives Ellie's an bit. answer to his age-old question: <laughs> Is this a bit? Wow! This is—is is this the last episode of the Flophouse? We're tying up a lot of loose ends. Yep. The house cat's going to reveal his true identity. Wow. <laughs> We're going to. That's a maudlin house cat. Yeah. Said. <laughs> that was the house cat rehearsing for his Shakespeare play. We're all going to, you know, we're all going to get our wow. wish. And uh, get transported to Duckburg, where we're going to all live out the rest of our lives. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. As half-duck, half-Ninja Turtle characters. (laughs) (laughs) And Gyro Gearloose makes me something to ride around in. (laughs) Fucking morphs me into Gizmo Duck or something. That sounds fucking awesome. Gizmo Ninja Duck. (laughs) I love... I love the idea that there's a part of Stuart's brain that hopes he can be half duck, half Ninja Turtle. <laughs> I'm guessing you want the Ninja Turtle's abs. <laughs> well, of course. Or you want the duck head. And and I don't and think I, I, I don't think I want the Ninja Turtle's insatiable lust for pizza. <laughs> no, that's true. That's more a curse than a benefit. <laughs> the hunger that can never be satisfied. <laughs> uh, so this is from Matt. You can last use my last name, McGrath. Hey, Matt McGrath. Hey, Matt, you can use my last name, McGrath. This is titled Elliot's Catchphrase and Other Stuff. Hmm. First, a question for Elliot about his catchphrase, anywho. Yep. Oh, I haven't said it in a while. Do you start saying this not-so-catchy catchphrase because (laughs) as a a fan of the YTV Family Channel slash Lucasfilm slash XSTTV members TV show version of the classic adventure game Maniac Mansion... If so, he'll know why. If not, he'll just think I'm insane. Uh, well, Maniac Mansion's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, the show was not such a great show. Not as awesome as the Nintendo game. As the game. But uh, no, that's not the reason why. The reason why was just because it felt like a thing to say. <laughs> that's and, uh, the exciting origin story of Anywho. <laughs> was just that it felt like a word that should come out of my mouth at that moment. Uh, appended to this email is what appears to be a very short spec script for a uh, TV show called Wellington and McCoy. Okay. 
I'll, it's uh, erotic, erotic police adventure, I'm I'll, assuming. I'll read both. Uh, More like parts. a neurotic police adventure of McCoy's involved. Um, uh, yeah, he was he was making a thumb over to Dan. So, and I said n- neurotic. So Wait, not erotic? Not erotic. Okay. No, no, the tagline would be, he's erotic, he's neurotic. Oh, okay. But it would be about the... It's, other- it's prude meets dude. <laughs> yeah, it is. So before... It is prude meets dude. Before the dialogue, there's a little uh, explanation. Uh, Stuart, quote, Beef Wellington... Thank you. ...is a hard-partying vice cop who breaks all the rules. Dan Cy McCoy is a depressed detective who drives all of his partners to suicide. <laughs> Alone, no department wanting them, wanted them. Together, they may be the only ones capable of cleaning up this town. What town, town being is? Duckburg. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interior. So just cleaning up from the Beagle Boys. And Morgana, La, what's her name? Magic of Dispel. I was thinking of Morgana Le Fay. Yeah, yeah. Morgana Le Fay. Magic of Dispel. Morgan Le Fay was named after Magic of the Spell. <laughs> <laughs> Interior, dim and smoke-filled strip club. Loud, hard rock music plays. Stew. That sounds right. Hey, dude. <laughs> Can you believe we're getting paid to do this? Say it's stupider. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. All right. Let's just interview this stripper and get out of here. I can't help but think that the terrible childhoods this whim- these women have had to go on, to get to sorry to end up so taking their clothes off for money. Yeah, but Dan likes that. That's a turn on to him. I bet half of these women have been molested by their stepfathers. Oh, I also have a terrible migraine. <laughs> Sighs dramatically. Stew shotguns a beer belches loudly. Oh, come on! Take, check out that chick over there. She'll take care of your head needs. Points to the left of Dan, winks at camera. That's significantly funnier than I actually am in person. So <laughs> camera like pans over to Busty Woman. Her top comically pops off, accompanied with <laughs> boing sound effects. Okay, you won me over. Camera sound ju- effects won me over. <laughs> camera jump, packs, jump pans back to Dan Stu. Freeze frame on Stu's wink and Dan's wah wah. Was that the reaction. whole episode? Overlay the end, pause, and then add the end? Question mark. <laughs> Uh, so are you shopping the script around? It's know. a little short. It's more of a webisode. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a full, full thing. So yet. if you want Dan and I to film this, uh, just uh, I don't. We uh, got a send Kickstarter. Email, ask, yeah, let's set it up as a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. I think How much do we need? Like seven hundred dollars. Seven hundred thousand dollars. Wow, this is a real spectrum of amounts of money. Well, we're going to hire Helen Mirren to play the stripper. Between 10 and 10 million dollars. Between 10 and 10 million. And Rodney Dangerfield's ghost to play Stewart. Yeah, and he does not come cheap. And Dan McCoy will, of course, be played by President Barack Obama, (laughs) who also does not come cheap. Yeah, but speaks in a similar slow and stuttering fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, no, we're going to dub his voice. Yeah. What? Yeah, we're going to dub his voice with the voice of Sean Connery. Okay. But Sean Connery is going to be uh, also... Doing a Darth Maul impression. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be Sean Connery's famous Weird. Darth Maul impression that he does at parties. It's his favorite Star Wars I don't Wars remember character. Darth Maul Because he's got a double and a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. Well, he mostly, his impression is like, I'm Darth Maul. Look at this. I got two lightsabers. Well, they only have one lightsaber. He's got a horn. The Can Chicago way is to bring a double lifesaver. <laughs> double lifesaver, yeah. Is that a packet with just two lifesavers in it? What a rip-off, Dan. Yeah, that's when you take two lifesavers, <laughs> lick them, and stick them together, and then you give it to a oh, kid. I see. They call that the Chicago package. It's two, <laughs> two lifesavers. Yeah, you eat it. it's dessert after one of those Chicago-style hot dogs. 
so this last uh, letter for the evening uh, from Nathan this Last Name Withheld. Nathan Lane. <laughs> Dear Floppers. Say, do you remember my show Encore? I don't. Sign Nathan Lane. <laughs> Dear Floppers, I'm sure it has come to your attention that there's an upcoming film entitled Ted... Starring Seth MacFarlane. This is a, obviously this uh, yeah, email. Is Ted, Theodore, right? Ted has has come out and become a hit. Uh, but there's a there's a film called Ted and uh, starring Seth MacFarlane and Mark Wahlberg of Max Fane, Payne and the Funky Bunch fame. <laughs> and uh, is that is what it? that movie is called? <laughs> the Funky Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Italian cereal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that was the cereal. The, the Funky Munch was always seen eating. It was the fun, was Funky Munch. Uh, he says it isn't directly addressed in the trailer. on their show, Funky Bunch Saturday mornings. <laughs> but Ted does appear to be a sequel slash reboot of the nineteen of the two thousand and nine Robbie Coltrane vehicle Gooby, reimagined for our modern sensibilities. And also, for some reason, Gooby is much shorter and named Ted. <laughs> As the internet's premier, Gooby experts. Goobsperts. Oh, what wow. are your reactions to the previews for Ted, a.k.a. Gooby2, colon, 2B? <laughs> Yours in podcasting, Nathan Last Man Withheld. Lane. So, Nathan Lane, uh, I think there's a really good question about Gooby. Uh, for one, Gooby is terrifying. <laughs> But hilarious, and Eugene Levy's great. Thanks what for is, writing. What is, what is that to a Ted? You have not answered any of his question. Yeah, I don't know if that. I don't know if that addresses any of his concerns about. Uh, Start asking about Gooby. I just use our stock response. <laughs> That's true. He does have printed up a form letter for Gooby questions. This is the second time he's we used get a it. Million. The first two. was the first time was when he mailed one to himself to make sure it worked. <laughs> yep. He pulls out his letter. I acknowledge that Gooby is hilarious <laughs> and terrifying. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I always kind of felt, or I always, in the past couple of weeks since Ted has been out, I have felt that it reminds me more of Alf than Gooby. It is very Alfie, yeah. But not like Alfie the movie, like Alf. Because that'd show. be completely different. Whereas yeah. I feel like it reminds me of The Family Guy, where it's just like, oh, okay, instead of a talking dog, there's a teddy bear. Oh, See, so it reminds me of American Dad, which is a totally different show than Family Guy. Mm-hmm. Instead of a talking dog, there's a talking alien. Yeah, or the Cleveland show where I think it's a bear. Mm-hmm. So uh, to sum up, Seth MacFarlane. So you guys is are brilliant. super excited about the new season of all those shows, right? Yeah, well, I'm just not a fan. Okay, well, I Alf haven't... is great. <laughs> I love he this from the way he keeps yelling at Willie. What a we! I'm just going to say right now, <laughs> Alf is a weird couple of character traits. <laughs> he is an elderly alien. He's over 200 years old. He eats cats. He has like a New York accent, right? Would you classify? I mean, Melmac I mean, accent. But... Yeah, I mean, it's Melmac. It's it's Melmac, but it sounds kind of like a. Actually, I don't know what kind of accent. It's just a kind of a basic accent. He's, so he's, accent. he's, he's got a certain urban quality to him. Okay. okay, but I just wonder, like, but they went to the they went to the to the network and they said, "I got a great idea for a sitcom. Mm-hmm. The main character eats cats." <laughs> Stop right there. <laughs> We're ordering a hundred episodes. Wait, did they make a hundred episodes? I th- at, at least that show is on for a long time. There's going to be this sassy alien who irritates a family. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I was reading a thing about how. At the beginning, Alf was much more of a, like, bad influence than later on. Like, he would smoke and drink and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they phased that out 
pretty soon. And eventually he delivers a baby in, in one episode. You're saying originally he, it. he was more of a Howard a the Duck cat. sort of character. <laughs> yeah, he was he was more of a yeah, Howard the Duck like kind of like John Belushi type character. Mm. And then eventually he just became, you know, one of those irregular cat eating aliens. Yeah. Who had a crush sounds, on the, it sounds like the, the, the daughter. It sounds like, yeah. what, wait. And he had that weird cartoon show set on Melmac. You remember that? Oh, was I mean, morning I wouldn't cartoon? say it was weird. It was pretty great. He, <laughs> was, like, fine. he was racing his Melmac speeder around. Mm-hmm. Pretending to be a rock star and stuff. Yeah, I think so. Rapping Kate Yeah, because he totally played guitar and stuff. Yeah. And wore sunglasses. Well, that was the Elf House. <laughs> Our Elf cast. You would imagine that sunglasses would be designed for a alien's face. An alien with tiny beady eyes and a long snoot. <laughs> <laughs> Whose ears are on the top of his head and not on the sides? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. He must have got them custom made. So I hope that answers your questions about Ted and Gooby. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your question about what we think about Ted, we like Alf. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Alf? He's back in pog form. <laughs> so, moving on. Uh, Anywho. This is the last segment of the show. It's the segment in which we recommend a film that we actually enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, Stu Rat, do you have anything for us? This is usually a minefield for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah with one of three mines that you keep stepping on. <laughs> uh, well, this time I'm not going to recommend either Head of the Family Invisible Maniac or Castle Freak. <laughs> Although you should watch those, and if you haven't by now, you, you have no excuse. The I'm I think I'm going to recommend a movie that I don't think Dan's recommended yet. It's tough though because you fucking see every movie. He sees a lot of movies. Uh, is Goon mm. with Sean William Scott? Have oh, you the recommended that? One? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was written by Evan Goldberg and Jay Baruchel. Of uh, of Sorcerer's Apprentice, or yeah, yeah, of Sorcerer's Apprentice, yeah, yeah, that's what he's best known for. <laughs> Sorcerer's Apprentice, Blumhouse movie that we, you know, we <laughs> sure. did it on the show, and uh, also of also of How to Train Your Dragon, and she's out of your league. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. well, it's a, it's a hockey movie, and Undeclared. I think the 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 basic I plot line it. is not unlike you know a lot of sports movies where you have kind of or or most Adam Sandler early Adam Sandler movies mm-hmm. where you have kind of a bumbler who ends up getting involved with the world of hockey and it turns out he's great uh but Sean William Scott brings something to like the idiot man child like a dignity that Adam Sandler never really seems to bring um Plus, it's really bloody and uh, actually very funny, and Lieb Schreiber is great in it. So, watch Goon. Uh, I was in Italy for two weeks, and uh, no, I just, I'm just I'm just explaining that I didn't see a lot of movies. So, you're recommending the home movies you shot with your iPhone oh, while you were there? Sake. That all involve you, you just turning 360 degrees wherever you are. I'm just oh, it's like a She's trying to capture a little beauty and send it back to you jackasses. <laughs> but, uh, no, on the way over... like I, The movies I've seen recently are movies that have already been recommended. Like, I watched uh, Chronicle on the plane over to, uh, and I, to Italy, and I enjoyed Judy it. stars as a air elemental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, a movie that you, you recommended, Stu, yeah. uh, yeah, and... Uh, I enjoyed it. I watched Marcy, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. But you've already recommended it. On the plane? 
no, I should at home just now. So I don't have a lot. Like I've been busy. I haven't had a chance to see a lot of movies. So well, you but you've seen a lot of movies. I'm just I'm just reach I'm back just, into the depths. I'm just. This is all prelude to say that to a kiss. the next movie that I'm going to recommend isn't like a strong recommendation, but I watched... Um, As opposed to when you recommend Sherlock Holmes if you're on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck both of you. <laughs> so your recommendation. Uh, I was jet lagged. I was up very early in the morning and on HBO I watched Final Destination 5. Okay. Which I uh, thoroughly enjoyed, I have to say. It was a lot more clever than any fifth movie in a stupid horror uh, series had any right to be. Isn't that the one where they go in space, or do they go to the hood? <laughs> <laughs> they go to the space hood. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa! The bad part of space. That's where uh, you see the rapping Martians. Yep, on the other side of the space tracks. No, they like the rapping Martians. It's it's ninety minutes. It moves. I drive by spacing. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it moves along pretty zippily. It's 90 minutes. It's got some uh, good actors in it for what they're doing. A lady gets her eye burned out by a laser. Yeah, a lady gets her eye burned out by a laser, and then it pops out, and then a car <laughs> rolls over the eye that pops out, which that is pretty gross. awesome. Uh, yeah, I had a fun time watching it. Can I describe movies as moving along zippily? Sure. Yeah, why not? What, is it, what does it mean? Quickly. Like like a Zeppelin? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what a Zeppelin is. Okay, continue. Yeah, Ellie, you're a regular. <laughs> I mean, there's Zeppelin. That's the thing. But Well, I was also on vacation uh, mm-hmm. recently. I was in Scotland and England. Uh, and so I didn't. also didn't get to see a lot of new movies. I saw a couple movies since mm-hmm. I got back, but none that I feel so strongly about recommending. So in honor of Scotland and England, I'm going to recommend a movie I saw a while back, but I don't think I've recommended on this podcast before, a Powell and Pressburger film called I Know Where I'm Going, uh, which is a kind of romantic comedy with a little bit of very, very, very slight fantasy undertones about uh, an English woman ending up in a in an uh, kind of isolated village and finding love there despite her uh, efforts. She wants to marry a rich man. She is not interested in falling in love, uh, but there's a magic about the place. And so I think I'll recommend that. I Know Where I'm Going, a uh, Michael Powell and Rick Pressburger film. All right, guys. That's three recommendations. Yep. Mm-hmm. One is a touching, lilting romance, and the other involves an eye popping out and then a car running over the eye. Yeah. Choose which one you want to see. And the hockey. Probably the I one. <laughs> and a lot of blood and, and uh, leave Schreiber with a handlebar mustache. So, guys, we did it. We did another thing. <laughs> we got together. We watched the oh, movie. And it's holding, uh, still strong to the end. I like, you always end the episode fighting like, well, guys, we did it. As if we climbed a mountain. <laughs> oh, we, we do this all the time. We talked for an hour. I'm trying, I'm trying to keep you guys' spirits up. This is a, this is a marathon. Spirits, I know My it's spirit's not, fucking fine. Yeah, we're doing great. <laughs> this isn't a fucking sprint, guys. <laughs> it is. It's over. I don't... Yeah, I mean, an hour-long podcast is a sprint. Why, why bother to keep our spirits? <laughs> up when we're done all right well uh, in the future i'll be more of a dick to you too more uh, how can is that possible but in the meantime so weird <laughs> i just I want, I just want to say dan has gone through four personalities on this podcast <laughs> i don't know what's going on dan i don't know who else is in your head that they should leave we got danny faces over here <laughs> He-Man fans know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we have Dan, Daniel, Danielle, and Harvard. 
which is Harvey and Herbert. It's two different personalities who also share a personality. Danielle is the sexiest personality. <laughs> Dan places veil over face, <laughs> winks, eyelashes. <laughs> Let's just say goodbye. How about that? Uh, for the Flop House, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. And for Hello! My- Hello! Flophouse <laughs> House Cat. House Cat. Pretty late. And uh, for my crimes, I will continue to be Elliot Kalen. Good night, everyone. So, yeah, another great one for the books. <laughs> Hey Dan, <laughs> welcome to the Flop House. No, I'm Stuart Wellington. Because he just locked the door. Yeah, Dan locked the door.